Well, we're in the studio today. We are doing more stuff on dreams. Yeah. It's and we have some fun. we have some special guests again today. We do, we really do. And we should probably recap a couple of things for our listeners and then introduce our guests. Yeah. So. You want to start out with that? I can. I, you know, we've talked to Sarah Miranda for a couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. And most people who listen to the podcast, maybe not everybody, but most people know we were spending a lot of time in prayer for our very, very close friend, uh, Gio. Well, Sarah's our very close friend, too. But our very close friend, Gio, who had COVID-19, was on a ventilator. And we, the la- you, know, you can go back and recap the last couple of episodes if you need to get caught up. But basically, he had one of the major uh, responses to COVID in which he's, his oxygen level was down to 40 when he went in the hospital. He was really in a medically induced coma. He was in ICU for two weeks on a ventilator and then another week recovering when he did come off. And basically... The doctors were telling us he wasn't going to live. They're pretty much calling his recovery miraculous. Well, I'm getting a little misty-eyed just hearing you talk about it because, I mean, here we are. We could be having a conversation about some of Sarah's dreams, but Gio not be here. Yeah, we But he really is a miracle. And, you know, uh, I know our listeners know that I'm a nurse, and I I can't tell you how. I, I would just say he's the only person I've ever known to come back from the level he was at yeah Yeah. and there's certain things we can't say because of the medical requirements or information requirements but pretty much they were ready to carry him down to the morgue at one point so uh just pretty pretty serious pretty serious so but anyway at that point we have not one special guest this week but two and so I will introduce our special guest while my wife cries in the background. So, <laughs> I'm so, just a little misty. Eye. I know. It's, well, no, those are pretty good tears coming down. But anyway, we have with us this week very special guest because not only do we have Sarah back, we also have Gio for the first time now that his voice is recuperating. So, Gio, we are so glad for you to be on and get to hear some of your story firsthand. Thank you for having me. We're it's so, a pleasure to be here. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Just to hear your voice, and your voice is so much stronger than what it was last week, even. Yeah, we visited last week, and his voice was still... Listen, we've waited two weeks when we were chomping at the bit to record you as well because we wanted your voice to be strong and it not to be a strain on you. So it's really, really awesome to hear hear you uh, your voice coming back to sort of more normal of what we expect. So it's cool. Yeah, yeah it's a little bit normal now that it's... Uh, I can hear in my own voice. I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah. I started sounding like normal. <laughs> yes, it is more normal. It is a little more raspier. But well, that uh, might just improve your singing Yeah, voice. you could have a really raspy. Have that raspy <laughs> voice. Because I know that was something you were worried about. You had a ventilator tube down your throat for two weeks. You were worried about being able to sing again, I think. That's correct, yeah. So you are you feeling better about it? Um, you getting there? very... I'm very hopeful about it because when I was there, I was like really mad about thinking of like all oh, these people that have no consideration about my boys. They don't know that I'm thinking this is what I do. And it, when they took the tube out, it did not sound like I was going to be able to think for a while. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's that raises an interesting point. I think we've got some experiences, some encounters, some dreams slash visions that you experienced uh, both sleeping, awake, and in the induced coma state during the hospitalization. But I, I think people want to hear more of the story than just the dreams, and I don't think yeah. we need to keep be limited totally to that in talking to you. And just honestly, I just want to have your story recorded. So uh, you had some concerns about even going in. You thought you thought everything ought to be fine, and you after a couple of weeks of being sick, you ought to get better, and then you end up in the hospital. What was that like? I mean, tell me what you were going through. I mean that well that first part of it. Yes, uh, uh, I, uh, m- one of my first symptoms was that my throat was raspy and, and um, kind of like swell. So I, uh, I started um, counting the days. And it's only two weeks until we should be better. But uh, uh, the, like the first five days, I will have fever every night. And I'm talking about 104, 105 oh fever. Goodness. And and it was bad, and then I got chills, and then the coughing started. But all of this was happening without pain. I didn't have no pain. I didn't have no headaches or my. I was. I, I guess I was remaining hopeful that it was not that bad because one of the first things I told you is your smell and your taste goes away, and I was fine with it. And then um, when I start feeling pressure in my my chest. That's when I said, "Oh, this is not feel good." So, and then I started going um, to the bathroom, and I I realized that every time I went to the bathroom, it's like I needed more air and and more air and more air. Mm. And it's not like when you do exercise that you get tired and sometimes you need air. I wasn't tired. I just need more air. That's what I needed, more yeah. air, and then. And wasn't it, on, I know on July 4th is when you posted something like, Dear brothers and sisters, please pray for me. I'm struggling with breathing. And I saw that and I was like, Gio, if you you or Sarah need me, call me. Do you I didn't even I didn't even read that because I posted it and I, I completely forgot about it. I, I, I wasn't, I was more into monitoring myself because right. I was taking my temperature Right. And and uh, and taking some pills, and when I start getting the pressure in my chest, that's when that was a game changer for me because I didn't, I never felt that before. Right. So, uh, and it was it was not painful, but I I I felt like my 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 lungs shrunk. So my capacity was expanding my lungs were like, if I was a hundred, I felt like I was fifty. So that was that, and then that Tuesday, we went and we got I got tested, but you know they take very long to give you results back. So the next Wednesday, when I when it was morning, I told Sarah, "Okay, that this is the pressure is getting too big." And I said, "Sarah, I I, I can I wasn't in, I wasn't in no pain. I didn't have no pain at all, but my my way of breathing it was." I started looking dizzy and and was I was started walking very slow, so that it took me more than usual to get to the car, and then and then when we got to the hospital, we didn't know that the ER was in the back part, so Sarah was running around trying to 
see where the the ER was, and I started feeling more dizzy, more dizzy, and then we went in the back. And I remember the the nurse said asking what's going on, and then started saying he can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And then she asked, can he walk? And I yelled, said, no, I cannot walk long distance. I said, and and then they brought a wheelchair, and I sit down in the wheelchair and. That I guess the saddest part of that moment is that I did not know that I was not going to see my kids and my wife for the rest of them the the time. Right. Yeah, you I went were, three I weeks. Thought, yeah, I thought they were going to come in. Now it's actually they took me into a little room and then they were taking my my um, my my blood pressure and my oxygen and everything. And I was waiting for them to come in, but I didn't even say goodbye to my wife. Or I remember just telling my kids. I'll be back. It's okay. I'll be back. Yeah. And I, I did not say bye to nobody. And I did not realize at that moment how how this thing was, you know, how big this thing was. Well, yeah, and you didn't know how much faith you were putting into that statement, I'll be back, because you yes, had no idea yes. how sick you were. Yes, yes. Yeah, and then... And they, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so... Um, and then they... <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. I'll go first. So, so yeah. Sarah calls me and says, "I've dropped him off." They asked me if I, if if I gave them permission to put a tube in down his throat, and I said, "Well, I hope you gave him permission." She said, "I did, I did." She was crying and everything, and 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 she goes, "But I'm concerned. They they were really worried, but I don't know." She said his oxygen was around forty, and I said. Sarah, are you sure? And she said, yes, I'm sure. She she said 40. I think she said it a couple of times. And I was like, okay. I, I was trying to be calm, you know. <laughs> I was just like, Sarah, that that's not good at all. That's, that's really, really, I'm just going to be really honest with you. That's very, very low. I didn't want to tell her how low I thought it was. I mean, you know, the only time I think I mentioned this last week that I've seen someone at a 40 um, o two level was when they were passing away. Yeah, that, that's, when I, go ahead. When I was there, uh, there I I saw I, I don't know if it's a doctor or a nurse, but they were you know they sit me in a chair and they were asking me how tall I was, how much I weighed, if I'm allergic, and this I think it was a doctor, and I just remember he was um, Asian looking, so mm-hmm. he he walked around. And he come back to the room and said, "Oh no, you're definitely going in the ventilator." So and he was kind of and, and and he go around again to do his things or whatever. And he come back to the room and said, "Yeah, most definitely you're going in the ventilator." So and every time he said it, I think he said it like three times. And every time he said it, he you know he was kind of getting me mad, worked up because like no, well, it was like I, I don't think I'm that bad. <laughs> and then and I say and and I keep telling him, "No, I don't think so. I don't, I just need a little bit of oxygen." Until he said this, and he said, uh, look, dude, said, five weeks ago, I was you. I was in a ventilator. I know what I'm talking about. So when he said that, like, I, he shut me up. Like, I didn't, I didn't say anything. Yeah. And then the only thing I remember that I said is, tell me, doctor, I just, I don't want to die in my sleep. I said, oh, I need to go back to my kids. I have two, two little girls, and I really don't want to die in my sleep, I said. And he said, don't worry, don't worry, we got you, we got you. And I guess at that moment they injected me or whatever, because I don't, after that moment I don't remember anything. 
Yeah. But it's it's such a it's such a I mean I think that's why it's so important for people to hear the story of how you got there and the situation you were in because you really did have no idea, and yet we've talked for two weeks now at two the two previous episodes of of the podcast that Sarah and Lisa. And, and me to some degree, Sarah, because she was talking to the doctors and nurses directly, and Lisa, because she is a nurse and understood what was being said, I, I was kind of with you, on, even though you were unconscious, I was kind of in the same position as you, thinking, well, he'll get better. I mean, it just takes a little while. He'll get better. And Lisa and Sarah are, like, actually having conversations about what would they do for a funeral because it was so bad. And it was so over my head that it, it was not even funny because I was counting the days because they keep saying in the, in, the, in the news it was only two weeks, two weeks. So in my count, this happened Wednesday, and my count by Friday I was com- I was going to be completely fine. Yeah. So that was keep telling the doctor, no, it's not. It can be. I just need a little bit of oxygen. That's all. Yeah. And yeah. they keep saying that. And then what you mean by two weeks, as you were saying, for most people, they were, you know, medical professionals were reporting that, you know, most people overcome it in about a two-week period, usually. And so you, you had a, two weeks of symptoms, then or, or almost, almost two, two weeks, weeks of symptoms, went in the hospital, and then took three more weeks to get over it and are still, I mean, I, we, you know, we were talking to you on the phone tonight as we're recording with just how excited we were, your voice was strong, and you walked into your backyard. I mean, that's, Tonight, yeah. you, know, you were able to walk around in your backyard. Most people would not think about walking in their backyard as a victory, but yeah. it's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be real, Gio. I mean, you were in the hospital 21 days. You pretty much lost your ability to function normally. I mean, you in your mind, you think, oh, I can get up and walk. I walk every day. So this is not going to be, it's not going to be hard. But then you try to stand up and you've been laying in the bed totally still for, you know, three weeks. It's not easy, is it? No, no. It was, like you said, I remember that, that uh, when they, I guess they got me out of the coma. Yeah. Um, I think I I was maybe two or three days being awake, but with the tube is still inside me, and I was fighting with every single doctor yeah. to get the tube out. I needed this thing out. I need this thing out, and I was so mad. I remember that I, since I couldn't talk, I was writing in there, and they gave me a piece of paper, and I was writing, and I remember writing, "Look, I'm on the grown man. I'm 39 years old. Don't treat me like a child." I was uh, I was writing in the paper, right? Yeah. Because in my mind, in my mind was just get this tube out. I'm gonna stand up and walk out of here. Yeah, but even and, that, even and, that was hard, wasn't it? They pulled the tube out, and you found out you you have anxiety. You can't really breathe as well as you think you can. Correct, correct. And when they pulled the tube out, they said cough much as you can, get the stuff out, and then when it stops, start coughing to get the stuff out, and then I stopped. I was like, almost felt like I was breathing with just one lung. Yeah, it was it was really hard at that very specific moment. It was really hard to to breathe, and I was I realized I was like, man, this thing really helping me. And and you know we 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 don't want to to dwell on all that was wrong, but your blood pressure was low, low, even as you were coming off the ventilator. You you were struggling. You know, I remember you telling me. You, you would go all through the night staying awake, t- 
telling yourself to breathe, you know, correct. Talking to yourself about breathing. Your heart rate was down. Uh, we're not going to get into the detail, but down. I mean, just let's just say down to death levels for your heart rate. Correct. And you're sitting. Correct. You're 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 going beat heart. You know. I mean, you you just really had to fight. Yes. Yes. Uh, there was a night that uh, um, that I was that I've got uh, several um, moments with the anxiety really bad, and there was one that, that one night that. Uh, I did not sleep all night at all. Most of the nights at the hospital, I did not sleep. And and uh, I remember that I was alone, and the machine that I was connected to keeps beeping. And I was like, oh, and, and I, I thought it's beeping because I'm not breathing the way I'm supposed to. So I told myself all night, from like 9, at, uh, 9 p.m. all the way until the sun came out, because I had a window, just keep breathing, just keep breathing, mm. just keep breathing, and I start having hallucinations, and and it was it was crazy. <laughs> it I mean, was crazy. it was a battle. It was a battle for you, and you know, Correct. we we talk, we've talked about Sarah uh, and her dreams that she she had your wife, and she and and some of the things she was experiencing. What I found really interesting was one of the dreams, and I'm, I know you said you've listened to the podcast. I'm sure y'all have had a chance to really talk about these dreams as well but she talked about how she saw you uh as a warrior and i don't know if we've talked about that did we about him? okay so sarah i don't know you can pop in here really quick and just tell me tell really quick the little vision that you had one morning or in the middle of the night or something about geo standing and and with the breastplate on oh yeah um he, uh, I was praying, um, and just, um, it was the day, the night after we had, um, talked to him at the hospital, um, and Pastor Michael had talked to him mm-hmm. and prayed for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that night I was praying, God woke me up in the middle of the night and I was praying in the middle of the night. And, um, I, I just felt like, um, you know, God was, talking to me about um, um, King David and recovering all when everything had been taken from him. And, um, and then just, I don't know, because I was reading the Psalms and stuff, I I was praying, and then in my kitchen doorway, I see my husband, and he's in that same limbo desert place, but this time he's in full armor, and he's got a sword and he points it at me and then he starts shooting his chest like he started to fight and he's got on his full armor I, now I just had a picture of him beating his chest like uh, Maui did in uh, the movie Moana you know because you know he had his hair up in the ponytail some you know and I just see you know there's that warrior spirit coming alive in him and he really had to dig deep and find that and if you hadn't seen some of the pictures of Gio on the Facebook page for Dream Stories Podcast, you need to go out and see the little video and see the pictures because I think the nurses took to calling you Maui because you kind of had that <laughs> look, too. <laughs> you know. And, 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 yes. 
what I love about what Sarah has is she has the dream where you're that we talked about, I think the first and second time where you're, you're in this desolate kind of place and she sees you. And that led to us coming to, or trying to come. We ended up doing it by video praying for you. She um, knew he was discouraged. Knew he was limbo. discouraged. Right. And so that was kind of this down thing, but we had the video conference call and, and prayed for you. And then she gets, Another dream. It was kind of a daydream in the sense. And you're in the armor. You're you're it's everything shifted. We didn't see it yet, naturally. But spiritually speaking, what she was seeing was the change had already taken place. And I believe from that moment forward you were on the road to recovery. Though what we saw naturally was we almost lost you two or three more times. Mm. So it's such a powerful thing that held held on that she was able to hold on to with what she saw and and it's just amazing to me and i want to hear some of your perspective i know one of the first things that happened geo where we were seeing that there was a response that you were going to make it or that you were holding on or that you were fighting was the song Tell tell me a little bit about from your perspective, or Lisa, did you want to say something yeah, about that? Yeah, before we go there, can okay. we go? I'm curious because one of the things was okay. There was the dream where the where Sarah sees um, like a priest coming in who might give life, last rites. He didn't. Sarah sees Geo in the desert place, and he's discouraged. His head's hanging down. The next day, she sees him in a vision. Isn't that neat? How God encouraged yeah. her to say, "Hang on, things are changing," because they uh, Sarah had this understanding that. You had overheard medical professionals say they didn't think you were going to make it. I'm curious, do you remember ever hearing the nurses or the doctors saying they were concerned for you or they were worried for you? Or was that something that you didn't even hear? I'm just curious. Uh, that question is for me, right? Yes. yes. Uh, did you ever did you they, did you ever hear doctors or nurses not in a bad way not to say anything bad about them but did you ever hear them while you were in that induced coma say they weren't sure you were going to make it or you're critical or anything like that? No, okay. I, I did not hear anything of that. I didn't. I have a. a I'm glad uh, all the cumber <laughs> all the conversations that I hear. Yeah, but I never I never heard of. That's uh, so good. I'm uh, so glad. Uh, because uh, the reason why I ask is I'm just curious if you remembered that, but it is possible it took place and your spirit man heard it. And Sarah got the message. God, God gave her the message through her dream that you needed to be encouraged and told to fight. Now we can go to that next thing that you were leading yeah, because, to, Michael. Because part of what happened with you fighting was that we've mentioned it briefly, but just from your perspective, there was this issue of a song, your, your wedding song, or the song that yeah. was your song. Tell me what happened with that from your perspective, because I know with Sarah, we heard the experience where where she played your song and stuff like that. But tell us what happened from your perspective or why that was important. Uh, for us, I think it was a month before everything happened, and we having this conversation about you know uh, what happened if one of us find in that situation. So and it occurred to me to say, Sarah, look, if I'm ever in a coma, just don't unplug me. Just put this on and I will come back to you. And my, it might take me long, but I will find my way. I said it. And then um, they, she started putting different songs. And, and I, I was able to hear my, my girls talking because 
I can hear my little one say, oh, puppy doesn't have his eyes open. Oh. And then then Sarah uh, went and put the songs that she wanted me to hear, right? So I remember hearing a song that I recorded for Mia when, when she was little. But it did not sound really good, and then and then I remember she saying, "Look, your friend sent you this," and I remember listening to that. Now. But once she put our song, I can hear everything. Like it was the mm. most clear song of all. Wow. I can hear the. I remember. I remember. I remember that I was wherever I was. I remember listening to the song, and then some part of them start playing the guitar, acoustic guitar. And I, I keep remember saying, man, that guitar sounds really good. I think that it, I think it's doing a a, a minor chord. Yeah, minor <laughs> chord. So that's what I was thinking because I can hear so clear the song, and I was like, oh yeah, but this is our song. Mm. Yes, yes, and, and I can hear it clearly and loud. It was loudest song of all songs, and I can sometimes I can barely hear what they say when they're you know when they were speaking. But there was two things that I remember the most. I I remember that they were playing the song not just once, but a bunch of times. And every time they played the song, it was clear. It was clear, loud. That's so. And good. and I remember I rem, I remember my little girl saying, "Oh, Papi doesn't have their eyes open yet." Well, you know, it's so neat, that's the most the, the two things that I remember the most. It's neat to see. It's neat to see how something that had meaning for you when you were awake, and I know you weren't truly asleep it was the coma kind of thing but there are those experiences of um uh, of of dreamlike things and experiences of what you've experienced in real life but you're still in that sort of coma state there, those things that are going on around you it was something that your waking memory your your life had had placed significance on i think you had told sarah that you would come back when you heard that song, if anything ever happened, like you said, and and, and, and you were remembering it. You were it was drawing something out from within you, and that's similar to what a dream or a vision does. It draws something we don't know is there out of us, but this was something drawing out of you, something you had a basis for, and something you had a memory for, which I just find fascinating uh, as to how that worked. And and I remember, I think one of the nurses even saying something about when you first heard the song, she was holding your hand as she played it. And, and, and you were responding to this song when you hadn't been responding to anything else. Correct. Correct. She she told me that, that, uh, when they put the song, she said that she grabbed my hand and she said, Gio, if you're there, just squeeze my finger. She said, and then, and then, I wasn't squeezing her fingers, and then she was like, oh, man, that doesn't look good. But instead, I was trying to make chords with my fingers okay. when I was listening to the song. Mm. So, and then she said, well, he's he's not squeezing my fingers, but he's trying to play the song wherever he is. <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually had a conversation with that nurse. Uh, your wife was kind and, and allowed me to have your secret code that they, it, it's not a secret code, but it's a security code that they allow you to call in and check on patients. And she shared with me um, that she uh, she said, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too encouraged, but, you know, I could feel uh his response with finger she said it was almost like he was trying to play the guitar and um she said don't share that with sarah yet because i don't know 
it could have just been a reflex, you know. And so she didn't want to get Sarah to get too encouraged because I'll be honest with you, Gio, all that brain activity was going on for you, but we weren't even sure if you were there cognitively anymore. I mean, when your oxygen level drops down to that level and your heart rate sometimes for days stayed around 30 and 40, you know, to um, for, for life to continue well, Life does not continue well for people when when they're only having a heart rate of around 30 or 40 and a very low blood pressure that are uh, under 100 on both sides. You know, I think you were really, really low. It's hard for people to maintain life at that for their all their organs and everything. So it was really, we didn't know if you were there inside. But when you did that, that was one of our first sparks of encouragement. Now, that was the first place we're saying he's there, and everybody was feeling it. We were almost afraid to say it, but we were feeling it because you were responding to something. Hey, listen, our time is almost up, and so we haven't even gotten to your encounter with God yet, (laughs) and we've got to talk about that. So uh, are you willing to come back on and do another another segment with us for maybe for next week? Sure, you betcha. All right. I tell you what, then, we're going to close it out here today and just do some wrap-up things, and we'll get Geo back because you've got to hear the part of his story where he has this encounter. It's this night vision, dream experience that's that's happening in this life-and-death scenario. We yeah. talk about life-and-death dreams and life-and-death visions and these encounters, experiences, and this is one of those that truly was life-and-death going yeah. on. So I, I, you're going to want to hear that. We'll unfortunately have to tease you a bit, which we try not to do, and say listen, next time. Listen in. Yeah, listen next in next podcast, week, yeah, right? Yeah. So in the meantime, check out the Facebook page, Dream Stories Podcast. We'll post some other things, pictures, things like that there so you can see and experience a little more of Geo's story than just what we're able to do. Yeah, there's a video the, on there of him coming home. Yes, we've got that up and maybe a few other things that we'll get up there. Uh, we just want you to hear this and be encouraged. But for now, that's all the time we have. So I guess I should say what I always say and say until we get back together next time, keep dreaming.